face the heel. Paul and I here on a lovely Sunday afternoon. We're going to talk about everything that just happened. I know we missed a week. A lot of things are happening. But, you know, we're ready to really catch up here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and talk about a lot of wrestling like we do every week. We try to do that. Um, this is a few things we have to talk about this week. Nothing too exciting, but we owe it to our ones and viewers and listeners who do give them a podcast. I also think, like, it might have not been super exciting this week, but a lot of pieces got put into place for a lot of exciting things to happen, such as opening credit, opening segment, promo, Randy Orton comes out and just straight up calls out Drew McIntyre, which it was different. I really expected it to be, you know, Randy was going to jump Drew or something, not just walk out and be like, I want the title, fight me, Drew, which it was different and I liked it. I mean, we all kind of knew this was coming, right? Everything was set up to have Randy and Drew go at it at SummerSlam. Um, There really was nothing else to do but just have Randy Orton come out and straight up challenge him. The way having him be the legend killer and beat Edge and Christian and Big Show definitely kind of paved the way for him to have the right to call out Drew McIntyre and him kind of be like, I am the best Randy Orton I've been. There's one guy I respect, but you're in my way. I want the belt. So nothing really shocking, but all the fans are definitely happy that it is going to happen. Yeah, I think <laughs> uh, Drew, like, uh, Drew is the best he's ever been. You know, he did have Rocky Star going from NXT to Raw, and, you know, we all know his history from when he got fired to, from WWE back to now, so him being champion is great, and Randy, I think, finally has, like, the fire and desire in him to want to do this. Actually, I had to smack someone's phone. Because <laughs> um, I think Randy just, he, he does this. He goes through phases where he's, like, super into it, and, like, his matches and promos are great, and there's other times where... I think if creative's not being great, he, he's not afraid to show it because they, they can't get rid of Randy Orton. That's like saying let's get rid of John Cena or Brock Lesnar. I I don't think that could ever happen. Well, they can't ever get rid of him, but you don't have to think back very far to when Randy Orton was having feuds that weren't even in title matches. And he, like the last championship he held was the United States Championship, and I think that was three years ago. Could have been that long. 2017, I'm pretty sure. It might have been. Either way, 2018, we're really at least then. two, three years. So they're definitely not going to get. There's definitely no reason like they don't ever want to get rid of Randy Orton. But I think that Randy Orton needs to want to be a top guy so that Randy Orton can have the type of role that he has now on Raw. He didn't have it in SmackDown. There were other things going on, and there are other stars you obviously want to push. But right now, Randy Orton's made a case where there is nobody else to push. He oh, is for the sure. Top guy right like, now. I know a lot of people complained. Like uh, after the last pay per view, or even going into Extreme Rules, I feel someone like made a post saying like, "Oh, they say they want to push all these new guys, but it's the same people over and over." And he was literally able to list three people, which was like Randy, Edge, and maybe Big Show or someone else. And I was like, "You listed three people out of." the 20 people used for this pay-per-view. Uh, Edge and Randy are facing each other. They're not even in a title match. They're just in their own feud. Like, I, like I'm like i fine with it. It's when I think the same people are champion over and over. That's where it starts to get stale for me, which is not what they're doing anymore. So, yeah, give me Randy Orton and Edge. That doesn't affect the younger talent. And well, whereas now it's... I, I would love Drew to say champion, but I've been saying this for years. I want Randy Orton to be the one that takes over Ric Flair's title. I wanted to touch back on what you said about you can't have 
a new champion every single week. You can't constantly have new and new champions or something like that. Yeah, you can't constantly... Or constantly you can't have people have the same reign. Yeah, you can't have the same people running the same title. I argue, I argue that with the fact that if you don't do that, everybody becomes a vanilla two-time WWE champion because you have to keep having a new face, new face. How do you build legends in wrestling without forcing them into these long and multiple title reigns? Like, Charlotte Flair is considered like the greatest women's wrestler despite what the fans think of her or not because she has 10 or 11 now because they counted her NXT one like 11 I think it was, I think 12 now because 12, so, so no, because she had it she had the NXT twice she went from 10 to 12 all of a sudden right when she beat Rhea. so what what would happen if like Charlotte only had three title runs if Becky had three title runs if Bailey has three title runs if Rhea Ripley has three title runs and Io Shirai has three title runs then Dakota Kai gets three title turtle Title runs. And Candice LeRae gets three title runs. The Miriam gets three title. You have to separate the pack somewhere to make a face of the company and to make a legend. You yeah, can't you, just you give everybody title runs. No, you're not giving everyone title runs, but you're also not changing it every two months. Like you have to give them long, like defining title runs. But like, I'm sure, Charlotte can have a title run for six months, lose it. She shouldn't then win it back a month later. Like if she got beat and they took away the whole rematch clause. That is literally the whole purpose behind that was so new champions come in. If they put her in a match and she wins and becomes number one contender again, sure, they're just choosing her over everyone else. But, like, there was a time when uh, John Cena first got his title. They talked about it, and, like, for the first tw- uh, 24 months after he won his first WWE title, he was champion 22 out of the 24 months. Even though he doesn't have the longest reign, because he, he would lose it and then win, win it back, like, two weeks later. And you know, at that time, it was great because everyone was into John Cena. It was when he was feuding, like, Randy Orton and Ed, and they were putting on phenomenal matches. But it's also weird, like, you give someone a title for a couple weeks, and then they drop it to someone else. Like, I think if you make the title reigns long and, like, meaningful, well, what's more the number What's more important to you, somebody who has a lot of titles or someone who has one title but a very long run? Long run, look at CM Punk. He held, what, three? Depends how, it, depends how it's booked. I think booking is important. Look at Braun. His, I think this title reign is so irrelevant. Well, his title reign has only been three months. Four, four months? Four months during a pandemic. Sure, but we also have something to compare to. Drew. If you compare those two title reigns in these four month spans, one I think is A+, and one I think is a C. Like, Drew has been insane. He's had great matches. They well, it's interesting. Like Drew, Drew is insane. It, it comes down to Drew's just a better character and a better wrestler and a better talker. Braun is less than Drew. And Braun, honestly, outside of his stature, Braun is less than a lot of wrestlers in that aspect. But I also think the big issue is, uh, which I was actually reading about over the weekend because John Moxley uh, complained about it, was WWE gives them literally pre-written scripts and say, you have to stick to this. I think some of the best promos we've ever seen were when they went off script. Or they add it in to the script. Like uh, the Miz on, what was it, Talking Smack? Yeah. Uh, when yeah. he blew up on Daniel Bryan. That was completely unscripted. They were like, hey, Miz, go and get your feelings off your chest. 100% the best promos are from the heart, unscripted, because anything that WWE creative does is just not as good as a wrestler speaking from the heart yeah. and speaking with emotion. Why WWE doesn't let all the wrestlers do that, maybe barring a few, who just aren't that good on the mic, 
why they don't let them do that is beyond me, I guess. It comes down to Vince just wanting complete control over his show, but... I think I'd be fine if they were like, hey, here's, like, some bulletins of things we want you to say or touch on or, like, reference, and then go at it. Sure, like, 100%, I think that's fine. Like, I think Braun and his, like, promos recently have just been, like, I don't know, kind of stale to me. Up until the whole Bray Wyatt Swamp fight when he did some things and then he did Bray some weird carrying, Bray joke. Carrying that story. Well, Bray's going to carry Canada. <laughs> not just true. like... Not true. There are, oh, guys, sorry, there are guys that... He couldn't could. carry Goldberg. You're right. There are guys that can, like, promo-wise go toe-to-toe with, with Bray. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves, I think, though, when we're talking about SmackDown now. Oh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> I think we just... What were we originally talking about? SummerSlam. Uh, we were talking about who wins that SummerSlam. Match? Who wins that match? It's early, but who wins that match? I know you and I have, like, going back and forth, we've had different answers. I, I think Randy Orton can win it. I think 100%. And I know you said that because if Drew doesn't lose, how can he lose? Which, you know, I was thinking about it, and I've been catching up on AEW, and John Moxley just has, wins every title defense against all these big, giant guys. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I'm finally realizing kind of what you're saying with Drew, whereas Drew beats Randy at his literal best. Who can beat him? Exactly. And, and that's not, how I feel about John Moxley over there now. Like, who could beat him? Like, he's literally beaten all the big people it's, over there. Well, and I'll follow up on your. I did say that, but it's a double-edged sword. So you have Randy Orton built up as the best Randy Orton we've seen, arguably ever. There's no one who can beat Randy Orton right now, maybe except Drew. So you go the route like you just mentioned. You know, we we have Drew lose to Randy. That makes sense because Randy's on an absolute tear. But my the other thing I said was if. Yeah, because who can, who can you develop and who can you push that can actually beat him? There's no one believable on that roster. There's no one believable on SmackDown, maybe except Bray Wyatt. And I don't think there's anybody on NXT that you could call up. You, you'd need a year, I think, to get Keith Lee up to really develop him. I, I know we're getting off on a tangent here again, but I think if you have Drew McIntyre like beat this Randy Orton, like Keith Lee, I, don't, I would never expect Keith Lee to just come up from NXT, have two months of feuding, and then beat Drew. Yeah. That would be, I think that would diminish everything that Drew. So, and the other thing is, you just have Drew lose it, and you would have him win the title back from Randy in front of a crowd. Yeah, which I know is why, that that was the first thing you said, you were like, Drew loses, so he wins it back in front of a crowd, which, you know, 100%, I'm fine with that, and theoretically, you know, if he say, say, wins it back at, like, uh, Survivor Series, even though that shouldn't happen, because we should be having brand versus brand versus brand, um, at some point, because I know they're talking about like there's a possible vaccine, and maybe in the next couple of months we'll uh, start having we'll live see. events again, uh, which I think it'd be fine. I think Drew would still get a big pop if he won again, but I like I said, I also want Randy to win on the sole fact I want him to be the one that surpasses Ric Flair's title uh, holds, <laughs> not John Cena. Even though for a while I did want it to be John, I don't know if maybe I grew up, became cynical, and hating life, that I was like, yo, I, I resonate with Randy Orton, man. I get him. I love him. Um, I guess moving on. Did anything else happen on this Raw that we really want to talk about? Oh, they did set up a couple more matches. We're going to get Andrade versus Andrade and Angel Garza versus Street Profits at SummerSlam for the titles. 100% I think they should win. I just like, I love the comedy. I think Dawkins and Montez Ford oh, are hilarious. Phenomenal. But wrestling-wise, I I don't get excited to watch a Street Profits match, whereas I do enjoy watching Andrade wrestle, and I absolutely love Angel Garza. I know you've been a huge fan of Angel Garza, uh, and I think also them winning would like kind of solidify, because they've been going back and forth the last couple months of 
are are we on the same page? Are we not on the same page? Do we hate each other? Do we love each other? And they either need to split them and stop that or give them the titles and make well, them a relevant tag team. They're keeping that storyline open, depending on... It makes me think that they haven't addressed decided. it. They haven't decided what they're going to do with this title match, so they're going to keep the storyline open, kind of like they did with Undisputed Era with Roderick Strong and Adam Cole. They had them have a little... Ten- they, had, they had tension and they feuded, quote-unquote, a little bit, but it ultimately ended with you know Undisputed Era staying together and Adam Cole feuded with Gargano instead and Ciampa instead, which is what I think everybody wanted to see. So you're just they're just keeping a... If the Street Profits defend at SummerSlam, then you just can have an Angel Garza-Andrade feud. And if they win, then you just keep them together and Street Profits just do comedy sketches again. That's fair. Like, <laughs> there's definitely a possibility for both. I think like Street Profits aren't bad in the ring. I do enjoy some of their stuff. I think they just do like yeah. some really high impressive moves, which is why you... Montez Ball does. But I would say... Uh, Think when it comes to the ring, I like Angel and Garza more. When it comes to promos, I like Street Profits more. So really, Absolutely. it comes down to like what you want. I, I think I want. I, I never thought I'd say this, especially to a heel team. I think I want Street Profits. You don't. Lose. You don't need belts around the Street Profits for them to continue doing what they're Yo, doing. No, give us back the Monday Night Raw report or Raw after Monday report. That was hilarious. They were doing uh, like those quick like they did it for a couple pay per views. They only did it like three or four times where it was uh, they were dressed up as the news crew. This is sad that I, this happened within like months and I just don't even remember. No, I think this. this was like last year at this. Point. Oh, was it? Oh. Yeah, they did it a couple times. I don't and it was uh, I think it was the Monday after Raw or something. I don't even night after Raw, and they did a quick little recap. Yeah. So I, I think I'd be fine. You can give us some more comedy stuff with occasional matches, kind of like New Day. Like they're really the New Day of Raw, except. Fair. Exactly. <laughs> uh, weird things. Uh, Shayna and Nia were feuding, uh, and it ended in a countout. I don't know where that's going. At least it gets Shayna on TV. Yeah, it gets Shayna. I, I honestly thought they were going to bury Nia and have her lose, but do they become a random team? Because it's like the Shazaro and Sheamus. We hate each other, but we keep fighting and fighting, and now all of a sudden we're a tag team together. The only way I can see that is because it's a classic case of they, they want to do something with Nia, and they like Nia. Also want to do something with Shayna. They like Shayna, but they don't have anything, so they put them together. That's kind of the formula they use for yep. guys that they want to get on TV or do something with, but they don't know what to do. The Shinsuke and Cesaro is a great example of that. I don't know if that's necessarily a, not a good thing or a bad thing. I just don't think it's needed. They tried to do the keep Nia relevant by tagging, tag, putting her on a tag team with Tamina, and it didn't go anywhere. Maybe because Tamina's awful. Insulting way, I just don't think Tamina's not a good wrestler. Tamina's never been over with anybody, been so maybe the greatest personality. Like, I don't right. know if it's like her character or what, but yeah, I've never been a huge fan of her. I, so I guess they're just gonna try to like maybe do that again to keep Nia relevant with somebody who the fans actually want to see in Shayna Baszler. But it w- it's just uh, it wouldn't surprise me in typical WWE fashion to take essentially someone who was a dominant solo force in Shayna Baszler and someone who else was literally nicknamed the Irresistible Force who was a former Raw, ch- uh, Raw Women's Champion and just throwing them together just for the sake of seeing if it sticks. They could also, like, maybe they want to feed one to the other. Like, they're both, like, built up but you as don't, you don't need You don't need them to be a tag team to do that, though. You don't, you don't no, need to start be a tag team. At SummerSlam, it'll, like, finish. Oh, you, mean, like, you mean just have them 
a normal now. singles match, and like they're yes. both like built up as this big force, and maybe that's who's gonna fight for the Raw Championship after SummerSlam is whoever wins this feud, which means one has to get you know buried by the other kind of. The only the only thing is you can't have Nia win that. I agree, but I unfortunately so feel like Nia dang- would come out on top. It's you're treading dangerous waters with burying like. If that were to happen and Shayna were to lose, it's almost saying to not only the fans but to the NXT talent, like, what's the point of even getting called up? Yeah. Because it, it just shows that there's there's nothing for NXT call-ups. Outside, like, who's the last, like, NXT call-up that's done well within the past? Like, like look, look, look at Aleister Black. Do you really want me to answer that? I mean, Andrade was a U.S. True McIntyre. <laughs> He was the NXT champion, and now he's the WWE well, champion. But it, that, so I guess that's but it, which is fine. But that's that's long term. That was yeah, long, that was long that was long term storytelling to get to that point. And to be honest, from like what we've gathered, that mess that wasn't really the plan for Drew. It yeah, kind no. of has fallen within like 2019. It fell into place, but Drew came back in late 2017, yeah, early 2018, and he was heel with Dolph. And while Drew was great, I love Drew. To the average fan, he was still pretty vanilla. He was just yeah. the angry, long-haired, badass, muscular. That's because Dolph did all the talking. Dolph did everything. Yeah, that's fair. But I mean, outside of Drew, like who? I guess are you saying that the precedent is if you're an NXT call-up, you have to wait for three years and maybe something will happen? I think if an NXT talent is good enough, they should be able to come up immediately and be pushed immediately. Shayna Baszler was a perfect example of that, and they're botched, and they're completely botched. Yep. Same with Finn. They literally gave him the first Universal run. Sure, he unfortunately got injured in the Seth match, but he finished the match after <laughs> dislocating his shoulder. Finn was the reverse example because Finn has been Intercontinental Champion. Finn has been super over with the fans. Finn has been in just about every good storyline. And then after his bad match with Bray Wyatt at uh, SummerSlam last year, they're just like, we don't know what to do with you. So they yeah. sent him back to NXT. So he started very high. And it just yeah, but he also had, a, yeah, yeah, he had a real dark <laughs> point where he, didn't he go like 20 matches on Raw with losing or something? Like he was losing to Lashley, Brock Lesnar. He was just like losing left and right. Well, for the, I mean, he did have a title with the Bobby Lashley feud. Like they, uh, they went back and forth with the IC title. I guess, do records like matter? I know that's a stat people keep track of, but does it, does that actually matter as long as they're not on TV and having a good match? But I think if it goes long enough of them like losing, mm-hmm. like you're just kind of like, uh, like with Finn specifically, I remember I was like, oh, okay, Finn loses this match. Like the match hasn't even started yet. I'm just expecting him to lose because that's just what they've been doing with him. So it yeah. makes me like a little less interested. But speaking of Bobby Lashley, Hurt Business is good. Yeah, I like I like the Hurt Business, and I like I like the name. Yeah, I- I'm actually a big I'm a big fan of it, and I like that. I feel like I'm going to say it. I'm going to let you say it because I think you want to say something good about Shelton Benjamin. I love <laughs> Shelton. I have been <laughs> such a fan of him since I was a kid. When him and Charlie Haas were together, I thought they were a great tag team. Team Angle was amazing. Mm-hmm. That's how you do like a faction on like New Day. They're more of a trios tag team. That one was Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin were the tag team, and Kurt Angle was the singles competitor. And now they're kind of doing it again, except with MVP Shelton Bobby. I do feel awkward for Bobby, though, because, like, he was built up, got this title shot against Drew, and now he's the only one in the group without a title. Like, MVP is the self-proclaimed United States champion. He's not technically the champion because Apollo Crews. Uh, 
I'm assuming they want to leave him as champ, which is why they're doing this storyline, and they're waiting for him to uh, be uninjured, because I believe he didn't get cleared for Extreme Rules, right? which is why what's happening is happening. Well, it's it's obvious that you're they're setting something up where, to the viewer, obviously it's weird that Bobby Lashley doesn't have a title out of that group. So you're setting it up to where Bobby can snap at any point that he wants and just take a title from, whether it be Shelton Benjamin, if he can make the 24-7 title relevant. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's an option. In I, a faction, I think you can, because there's technically multiple people that can help defend. No, it depends on the title. Where I, 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 I'm throwing that out there as a possibility, but I definitely see... Bobby Lashley taking being a U.S. champion and taking it from the paper champion in MVP has crowned himself that without actually having a match. That's for sure. But I don't think that's going to happen soon because I think that the Hurt Business is good. I think Shelton Benjamin being relevant is good. Having MVP able to talk for Bobby is good because Bobby Lashley, it's time and time again. It's a coin flip. Either it's a good promo or it's a bad promo. There's no in between. To be honest, I don't even I don't consider him good or bad. Consider his just very like vanilla rhetoric. Yeah, but good. I mean, like a B minus to a C plus, not like a A star, A lister. As I don't know, nobody watches wrestling to hear a Bobby Lashley promo. When they see him grab a mic, nobody's like, "Oh, I'm excited for this." It's just let's hear what he has to say. So you know, he he lets. That's how I feel about Brock. If he grabs a mic, he's probably just going to do a high pitched scream that like just makes me cringe every time. Who? Brock Lesnar. Don't talk shit about Brock. I always talk shit about Brock. Brock, Brock is great. But the other <laughs> possibility was that a lot of people are speculating because all of a sudden Ron Simmons was seen backstage yeah, was there's a potential for a new nation of domination, which, sure, you don't have to name it. You can leave it Hurt Business or be yeah. Nation of Domination 2.0, the Hurt Business. That'd be cool. So I'd be interested if they maybe added a fourth person and kind of did like an evolution thing. Yeah. Maybe even like drop the 24-7 to Bobby Lashley and then have Shelton Benjamin and someone else be a tag team because, you know, Shelton Benjamin's great. He can be single or tag team. Same with MVP. Mm-hmm. Lashley, I feel, needs to be a singles competitor. Like, he snuffed out Mustafa Ali this past week because uh, they're giving him the full Nelson lock and just making people pass out. So I think there's a lot of potential with that. I'm hoping they don't ruin it. Like they did with Braun, Drew, and Dolph when they put those three together. Yeah. Um, we spent a lot of time on Raw. Is there anything else you want to jump to NXT or is there anything I guess the only other thing is Dominic is going to I watched, I was in and out on Raw this week, so. Yeah, <laughs> the only other thing was uh, Murphy solidified his place with Seth by putting mm-hmm. uh, Alistair Black's eye into the steps. Yeah. Which then he made a big cryptic post that he might be having a darker character change. Which, would be, which would be great. Like, I, I'm thinking it's more like NXT Alistair, where he was like, right. kind of dark and he was, the, he was the devil's envoy, yep. right? Which, I'm curious if it's going to be maybe a tag team match at SummerSlam with him and Dominic. Kind of like what they did with, like, uh, Neville and Stephen Amell, the Arrow actor a couple years back, where one carries the other. I can see it happening, but... I hope it does. What's the point of having this Alistair... What would be the point of having this Alistair character change just to kind of have him tag team with Dominic? I I guess they are definitely intertwined in the same storyline with the same faction in Seth and his buddy. I just, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily be interested in that, and I don't know if Dominic is ready to just jump right into, like, no. a huge pay-per-view when he still, he legitimately has not had a match yet. And that's why what I want is... is he even, he's, he's, what, 17? I think he's 18 or 19. I say, I think you have to be 18 to 
Yeah, I'm pretty sure he have a mask. He might even be like early 20s, like 2021. Like he's, 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 <laughs> to be honest, he's, 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 he's 21. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Because I feel like he's only a handful of years younger than me. 21 might sound actually. I, honestly, what I want is for Seth to kind of turn him heel and take him under his wing and like kind of not only help train him in the ring, but on the mic and he doesn't have to worry about singles because I don't think he's ready for singles. He could be. We haven't seen anything yet. He could put on one of the best matches we've ever seen. Uh, but that's something I would like, and now I want Alistair kind of taken out of that picture and, like, rebranded. Maybe even go back to NXT and just, like, run rampant. Maybe he becomes a surprise contender in the North American title run because they have good segue. A lot of triple threat <laughs> matches going on right now to determine who's going to be in the ladder match at NXT TakeOver 30. Yeah, these, these triple threat matches are awesome. And I, I like that while you actually make it so that getting the opportunity to win that title actually means something. You actually oh, have to fight This is it. such an obstacle. You have to not only win a triple threat match, which every single one of them has been stacked. First one you had Roderick Strong, Johnny Gargano, and Bronson Reed, which I thought for sure Bronson Reed was going to be taking the L, even though they've been bumping him up. Mm-hmm. He did it, and I'm so excited because I've been a fan of that dude for years. He represents the bigger guys, kind of like Kevin Owens. What do you think they do with him? Honestly, with who they've picked so far, I don't know who can win. So far, you have him winning his triple threat match and Dexter Loomis beating out Timothy Thatcher and Finn Balor. And then next week, I'd imagine uh, Damian Priest is going to be winning his because they're bringing on a new guy who we haven't seen yet and uh, Orny Lorcan, Mm -hmm. which I'm assuming they're just going to continue Lorcan versus Timothy Thatcher. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which I'm, I'm... Dude, those guys are just some probably old like old school the wrestlers. best technical wrestlers outside of maybe like Drew Gulak and Daniel Bryan. Yeah, um, like I could watch sure. Timothy Thatcher wrestle all day. Yeah, no, because it's just it's super old. It's school. so raw. It's so old school, and he's you so good at that often. He's right. He's so good with like the MMA sort of aspect yep. of how you can implement that in professional wrestling, and that's a lot of people don't like that. But yeah, I he's not only good on the submission it. behalf, but he's also good in, like, the natural, old-school, Greco-style Roman wrestling. Yes. And, like, so is Orny Lorcan. So they've been putting on some great matches. Whereas, like, Daniel and Drew, they were definitely more about the technical aspect. They weren't, like, brutal or power moves. It was just who knows how to maneuver better. Almost like jujitsu. Like, who, who's better yeah. in the technical aspect. That's Whereas these other two are like, not only am I going to do this, I'm also going to punch you really mm-hmm. hard in the face. And that's why I love them. So I think Damien Priest comes out on top, which... So far, if those are the three people in the ladder match, I have no idea who can win. Like, Bronson Reed, Dexter Reed, I, I think each deserve it. I don't want to ruin it, but, like, I think it's clear as day that Damian Priest deserves that. I don't know. Dexter, though. Dexter's character, I don't quite think, resonates. It hasn't developed to the point where this mysterious new superstar who's, while he's powerful and hasn't lost, I don't think, you you put what you put the the North American title on him and yeah, what, what, what changes right? Whereas Damian Priest, you know he's he's exactly what I think you need. In like he's got the size, he's got the ability, he's got the look, he can talk. Yeah. His voice is like his voice is deep and powerful and kind of reminds me of like The Rock a little bit. Oh, oh and yes. I think that's a hundred percent what. I, I think that's a Triple H. I, I would not be shocked. I really thought he was going to be the one to take the North American title when him and Keith feuded. I'm a little shocked it didn't happen. 
But I, I, you know, you bring up the mutant part with Dexter Loomis. You know, the last time we had a mutant wrestler was Kane, and he was mutant because he had Paul Bearer. That's so true. now that's fair. You know, Paul Heyman's not doing a lot. And I know you, <laughs> I know you referenced this and maybe said, "Does he become a Heyman guy?" Honestly, dude, like you would just have Paul be kind of like freaked out by Dexter, but he's like. You know, this guy's a monster. I can see I can see Paul Hammond giving, like, he could be giving a promo on his behalf, but kind of, like, looking side-eyed at him and just kind of, like... Or, like, Dexter just gets really <laughs> close behind him, and he's just like, what, why, why are you so you, close to me? That would actually be... You could have some incredibly, like, funny moments while... Being kind of powerful and serious. But also, like, building this great dynamic between Paul and Dexter, where Paul gets to do what Paul is good at, Dexter gets to do what Dexter's good at, but they both lift each other up, respectively, by doing what they're good at. Dexter get allows Paul to get back on the mic and do his own, yeah, his own be thing. the god that he is and on it a allows, microphone. And it allows Dexter to not have to change his character yeah, because Paul stays with hyping him up. I'd be fine with him never speaking. Like, dude, he's just creepy and awesome, but I understand it could get stale after a while. So yeah, dude, give me Paul Heyman. Dude, those two I think would be amazing. It won't happen until Dexter Loomis is on the main roster. <laughs> you don't know Paul if he ever decide, like he had issues with Vince or something, so he's like, I'm going to go work with Triple H on NXT. I, yeah, it's a possibility. It'd I think be, it would be great. He would look at it as a downgrade, so it's probably not going to happen. Mm-hmm. But, I, you know, when you look at ratings and stuff, it's hard to not think NXT is better than the other three. And then also just how, like, they've been on the rise, especially, like, look at Survivor Series. Well, it's weird that just NXT is the last brand that has a general manager. Yep. But the last time they had, like, a legitimate manager... Paul Ellering with the AOP yep. back in 2017, I'm pretty sure. So it's weird how like, Raw and SmackDown still have the, the managers of guys, yeah. but they don't have yeah, general it managers. It took Selena away yeah. with yep, Andrade. NXT has the general manager, but they don't have anybody that manages talent. Oh, you know what? Scratch that. They do. Roger Stone. Oh, Ro- Robert Stone. <laughs> yeah, first time I'm thinking of, uh, I'm thinking of, no, uh, Politics. Uh, that's right. <laughs> um, yeah, no, he got the Robert Stone brand, which I, he did just add a new talent. For the record, I mean, he's not exactly a manager in the aspect no. of like Paul Heyman or Selena Vega, but I, I, I love Robert Stone. I love the Robert Stone brand. It, you know, he's growing on me a little bit. He's, but he just kind of reminds me of like. The sleazy, like that's what he's supposed to be. That's what's so <laughs> he great. Was so well dressed. He got run over by a tank again. Yeah, and yeah, and Shotzi Blackheart versus uh, Martinez was great. Like there were some big hits and big bumps there. But you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really into the Mercedes Martinez. I'm not. So I think she's there to like fit the other role where Aaliyah is kind of like the fast paced, like high energy wrestler, whereas Martinez is supposed to be the like. Brute force. No, I mean, I don't, I don't, not even her in the faction. I just am not really a fan of Mercedes Martinez to begin with. I, she's, she's just the Shayna Baszler, the new Shayna Baszler, I think, just because they took Shayna Baszler yeah. away. I can see And that. it's, not that it excites me when she wrestles. Aaliyah, on the other hand, I don't get anything from Aaliyah when I watch her. I don't, but I, by putting her, pretty good. by putting her with Robert Stone, though, it's, are they, do they have a plan to do something with her? Because they wouldn't, yeah. they wouldn't make it known that, like, hey, here's a faction now, or here's, you know. That, that is the weird part. Like, are they supposed to be, like, a comedy relief, or are they actually going to be pushing and doing something? That's the thing. If you put Mercedes Martinez there, they're not the comedy relief. So it's like, what? It, what's 
what's the goal here? I, I, I'd expect pushes for... I can't imagine one of those two are going to be a champion. Like, like uh, going in the championship title right now, you got to imagine it's going to be Io Shirai versus Dakota Kai at NXT TakeOver because, you know, Dakota Kai just got the pinfall in the right. tag team match over Io Shirai. Right. And, you know, she blindsided Io Shirai after her title defense against Tegan Knox. So, you got to imagine they're building up to that. And when you talk about those names, you have... Uh, Tegan Knox, Candice LeRae, Mia Yim, uh, Dakota Kai. I, I don't see Aaliyah and Martinez like they're good like mid carders, mm-hmm. but I I haven't seen them being top tier yet. And I think they have sure. the potential. I think they just need to show it. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, yeah, that's really all I got on that. We'll see what happens. Yeah, and I guess Dakota Kai isn't with uh, Raquel Gonzalez anymore. I don't think I've seen her recently, and she was tagging with Candice LeRae this past week. If there was something going on there, I missed it. Yeah, but I, like, I don't know how much I care for either way. I think it'll be interesting because <laughs> does uh, if they give Dakota Kai the title shot, does she be the one that defeats Io Shirai, or does she just put out another Dakota? great match? Yeah, no. You think she just puts on another good match like Tegan and make Io Shirai look good? Yes, because I think they are planning on having. You know, I, I still wouldn't put past them the possibility of Candice LeRae. Because I felt like they kind of diminished, like, they were building up this huge, we're going to be this power couple. Then it kind of, like, fizzled, they screwed it up, and I feel like they're kind of bringing it back. Like, they just had uh, Gargano beat Roger Strong in a pretty good match this past week. So they could be possibly looking to build them back up and maybe give them titles. But there's no way Gargano could ever beat Keith Lee or Karrion Cross. So, I think they didn't well, that, realize that's, that's what they the, were going to Sure, do. but I use that same argument where I don't think Candace could beat Rhea Ripley. I don't think Candace can, should be able to beat Io Shirai. I don't see Candace LeRae as a legitimate champion with the talent that you have in that division. I don't think Candace is like a believable champion out of all of them. I think when they first started it, there was potential. But then Keith Lee blew up, became the double champ. And then you had, like, Rhea Ripley drop to Charlotte because of the passport issues, and now you have Io Shirai. I could maybe see Candace beating Io, but, you know, I would always favor, I think, Io, like, you know, 70-30, 65-35 maybe at best for Candace. But, like, Gargano, I think, is in an awkward position where the only title he can win is North American. Mm-hmm. Like, he can't ever be NXT champion again with the mm-hmm. current landscape. Like, you could never sell to me he beat Karen Cross and Keith Lee. Sure. Uh, Which, so, speaking of them, Lee coming out yeah. and accepting that challenge. He, I also thought last week that great ending with Karen Cross just belligerenting and like beating Dominic Dijakovic and Keith Lee having to stand by. Yeah, it was great. There was incredible emotion and incredible tension oh, perfect. within that scene, and that's something that you don't necessarily get in wrestling a lot because no. you just you know that it's it's wrestling where the story just really wasn't developed that well but this was something that you know it was believable to me where you know Karen Cross is brutalizing Dominic and Keith Lee is helpless emotional and, and but he wants to but Dominic is saying no I, I can do this like because it's one of those things like Dominic is like trying to be like no I can handle this like I'm a man I'm a big man and it's just like Keith Lee had to sit there and watch. And I feel like the last time that happened was like with Legacy and when Brandy Orton like uh, handcuffed Triple H to the ropes and then he like 
RKO'd and punted Stephanie McMahon, like, and that's going back like six years now. So I think that was great. It was raw. It was emotional. It was it was perfect. I was watching it and excitement like this could go in. Does he not? Was like he can't like Marion keep beating him? And yeah, he just uh, sat by waiting. Yeah, and it carried over to the promo he cut last week, which was just very raw, very emotional, very angry. Yeah, and then he unfortunately took the anger out on Cameron Grimes, yeah. giving, I think, one of the most brutal spirit bombs I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I legitimately was like, yeah, I think Cameron Grimes is going to come back as a Christian boy next week. Like, <laughs> he died and was just reborn. Like, dude, I watched him take that hit, and I was like, bro, I am so sorry for you. Like, that looked like it had so much power and force behind it. Like, maybe Keith was a little too into the promo, or that was exactly what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And it was just, I am beyond excited for that match. I think it is going to be is it, is high it, power, high intensity, just fists. Is it too early to predict an outcome? It has to be Karrion Cross. The way they're building him, the way he showed up, if you have Karrion Cross lose to Keith after squashing Ciampa, mm-hmm. after putting on a good match, and then just brutalizing Dominic, yeah. like, what, what does that say about Karrion Cross? If there's, if there's one person that could beat Karrion Cross, it is definitely going to be. But I think it makes it, it it would be better for the character for Keith Lee to drop it and fight back to get it back. For sure. Whereas Karrion, with all the buildup, can't have him lose at what should be like the pinnacle of why he's in NXT. Exactly. So I, I think Karrion Cross will get it, and then you have Keith Lee at the next takeover. Wait, maybe, maybe take it back. I think that has potential for a good long feud. But I just think if Karrion loses, which, you know, they could keep us on our feet, and we don't know. Like, I think the match would have to be done so right where Keith retains. Yeah. If anything, maybe, like, almost yeah. a double countout after, like, a 25-minute just brutal, they-can't-even-stand-anymore match. Kind of like what Dominic and Keith has done maybe in the past. But it has to one-up that. It can't be, like, Seth and Bray when Seth made <laughs> Bray unconscious, and everyone was like, this was dumb. I'll say lastly on that is that not being able to decide between Karrion and Keith or how to do it is a good problem to have because it shows you have two incredible wrestlers who can tell an incredible story and both are super worthy to become champion. It's a, it's, it's a it's a good problem for NXT to have, whereas it's just an abundance it's a, it's an abundance of riches there. Oh, and sure. whatever outcome they pick, to be honest with you, I wouldn't mind either way. If Karrion takes an L there, I. Honestly, it wouldn't really diminish much for me in Carrion as more as it would build up Keith for me in my eyes. So it's kind of a win-win either way, addition by subtraction. Whoever loses that match can add so much more to who wins. But I also feel like it's kind of going back to like Drew and Randy. Like if Keith wins, he's got to hold that title for like a year, and then they have to rebuild someone to take it. Like, no, no, that's that's I disagree because of the way they've built Carrion. Maybe like they they can. Keith Lee can Keith Lee's got so much emotion behind this match, so whereas Karrion kind of just is just this brutal force who fights simply because he's evil and speaks Latin or yes. Roman or so, whatever he said to Dominic. Exactly. So you have Keith Lee kind of win because he's using the power of of good, sort of based off like I'm I'm fighting for what's right and I'm fighting for my friend who you brutalized. But again, it's it's it goes either way. You can develop a story between the, and a feud between these two. So, yeah. well, so it's, but it's, it's, I'm glad I don't have to make the decision. It has, oh, 100%. I don't know who I This is one of those ones where, like, 
they're probably going to be sitting there going, there's a possibility we make the biggest wrong yeah. decision, or well, we make the greatest decision. But I do agree with you that, like, I would lean towards Keith dropping it. I think so. But, um, and then more fighting going on is, uh, it looks like UE finally got a fire under there, because I know we talked about, does Adam Cole stay? Does he jump ship to a different brand so he can be with his girlfriend? Mm-hmm. What does he want? And, you know, Kyle O'Reilly did a great promo, firing everyone up, mm-hmm. and they jumped Imperium. Mm-hmm. 4v2, just, like, we're gonna fight you and you're not gonna be able to stand. So, it also looks like UE might be finally being what they were when they first got together and just running roughshod. But I the mean, issue is, no one can take the NXT Championship from that year. Right. Um, if they could somehow set up a, like, you know, a 4v4 <laughs> Imperium, again. Imperium versus uh, Undisputed Era. I think and you can get that for TakeOver 30. This has the potential for the greatest takeover between having Keith and Carrion, and then you have Imperium versus yeah. UE. Like, I'd absolutely be, absolutely be on board. And then this is just me going off on a tangent here. If somehow, because you know, with what's going on in the world, it's having Walter get over here probably so can't difficult. happen. Exactly. But I mean, having like Imperium able to beat Undisputed Era, and then Walter interfere with Keith Lee carrying Cross. That would just be to, to set up that would be to set up a triple threat match between the three like biggest baddest dudes. In dude, that would NXT. be. I think someone be, gets hurt. That'd be incredible. <laughs> that would too be, much power. In that that would be incredible. Listen, Walter, we're not we haven't we haven't forgotten about you. Oh, I still think about you. We're not we're not slept on Walter. Whenever Walter. I see Imperium, I'm just like, why <laughs> is there not Walter here? Like Imperium was fine. They're a great tag team, but it's Walter to me that really is Imperium. I think Walter is just, and I hated him when he took the title from Pete Newman. I was like, yo, this is dumb. He shouldn't have the title. Pete should. And just slowly but surely, I'm like, yo, this dude is just a bigger version yeah. of William Regal. And I love yes. it. Yes. Yeah, like, exactly. He's just a six foot something giant William Regal. Never thought I'd ever say that in my life. Yep. And I love it. Absolutely. So I can't wait to get, I'm praying we get UE versus Imperium. Really comes down to, you know, traveling and restrictions. So. Hopefully we can get it. Don't first. hold your breath, but no. who knows what could happen. Um, SmackDown. SmackDown had an interesting opening. Friday night SmackDown. Uh, it started I... with everyone just doing individual promos into the camera behind stage. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I loved it or hated it. Like it was a new, it was something. It, new. Add, it added a new. Uh... Wait, didn't they do that? They did that last week. Did they? I think they did it. I think you're thinking of last week. No, they, they just did it Friday, where they, uh, they did Big E did his own little solo one, and they put so they Morrison. they put some like intense music behind it too, and yeah. then they cut to the. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not a fan of the new. I thought the everybody cutting their individual promo. I thought that gave, that kind of gives a very uh, a unique way to set up the drama and the stories from the actual wrestlers aspect. Yeah, and lead, I thought it was a good idea. I don't know if it's something I'd get behind every single week, but doing it every every now and then. To kind of set the scene, I thought it was a good idea. That's Why has this never been done? Yeah, that's why I think I think it was a good like new fresh opener. But I guess yeah. I also felt like some of the promos at times were like almost a little cheap and very scripted. Like you could like how we talk about scripts in the beginning of the day. I don't know. It felt like it was just like some of them at points just felt generic. Mm-hmm. But you know, it could be good. Uh, I think it led into some decent stuff that night. Uh, like it went right into an intercontinental championship match with AJ versus Grand Metalik, which love, I know you love. Love, me, love me some Grand Metalik and some Lindsay Dorado. Um, visually and aesthetically, they're just like incredibly entertaining wrestlers. 
and just their size and the lucha scene isn't for everybody. Um, I, I just every time I watch them, these guys are just consummate professionals who for sure who are just the best at what they do, and I, I have an incredible appreciation for um, you know lucha style wrestling. Like these guys are two 100%. of the best. So when I watched that match last year, when it was, it was Lindsay Grand Metal League, Chad Gable, and uh, Drew Gulak, that was a great the match. Was incredible. Right? I, I could have watched. It was in, it was great. And I'm like. I don't care who wins. I'm happy either way. I was expecting Drew Gulak to win. And when Grand Metal League got the, yeah. the pin, I'm like, and, and I'm I felt like, like oh in God. that match, everyone got to shine individually at times. Yeah. And Grand Metal League got to do what he was good at, which was just you know dancing on the ropes and like moving around, not like many people yeah. can. And really, you only see in Luchador wrestling because I think they just take the use of ropes to a whole other level. Yeah. Which is why I feel you know Lucha Libre is just so rough in WWE because a lot of the people don't travel and wrestle the world. And they won't get that experience. Like they mentioned many times in the match, how AJ has wrestled all over the world and he can counteract pretty much anyone because he's fought every wrestler right. or every wrestling style. Whereas Grand Metal League, I felt like he didn't really shine in this match. Like he had a couple good moments, but I felt like compared to the Fatal Four Way, he looked way better. But going on, like Fair. I feel like Luchadors get such a bad rap in WWE because not many people know or are experienced with how to wrestle against that. Which is, I feel like Ray has even like altered his style. Like you see him in other brand, like other promotions. I feel like he kind of wrestles differently than he does in WWE, and which is why I think you know Luchadors get such like the shaft yeah. in WWE because not a lot of people know what to do against it. Right. Uh, which is why I thought, if anything, this would have been Grand Metal League's best match because it was going against AJ Styles, and I felt he was really there to just make AJ look which, you know, they talked about it many times throughout the match, how AJ could fight anyone. He was good against every style. Then he, after the match, attacked Lindsay. Mm-hmm. So I I felt bad because I actually did want Grand Metal League to be champion for once. Yeah, it would have been awesome. Uh, but I think they, he didn't win because they're going to maybe consider giving them the titles or they're going to get squashed by Shinsuke and Cesaro because later in the night, you know, Cesaro and Shinsuke are celebrating, and all of a sudden, Lucha House Party interrupts that. Hmm. So, it looks like we're going to get that feud, which is nice. It's new, it's different, it's going to be showcasing some other tag teams that I feel don't get showcased mm-hmm. often. Sure, absolutely. And if anyone can probably fight against Luchadors, it's Shinsuke Nakamura, who's wrestled around the world against tons of different people, and you know, sometimes Japanese wrestling isn't that far from Luchadors. Yeah, oh, definitely agree, definitely. Um, I guess there's nothing like really needs to be talked about. We could jump right to the ending, which was kind of the big thing. Um, besides the IC match, yeah, I think everything else was just very like it's setting up something, or it's just like it was filler. Like you had another Naomi versus Lacey. Evans, I mean, it was, it was a good ep- it was a good episode. Yeah, it was a good episode. But uh, I, I felt like storyline wise, there wasn't a whole lot. I think it's just building something up. Like you had Biggie versus The Miz, and Biggie won. Because it looks like he's gonna be doing something title. Like, yeah, everybody. Everybody's very excited for the Biggie singles run. It's been a long, long time coming. Everybody kind of thought it was gonna be as a heel. A hundred percent. Everyone thought either Xavier or Biggie, throughout different points, were gonna be uh, a heel, and that they were gonna split up the faction. I am still surprised to this day that New Day never got split up, and I'm happy they didn't. Honestly. Yeah, I think they're great <laughs> together. I think like you know. They're all kind of kind of doing their own thing. Like I'm sure Xavier is clear, but he's been very big on uh, like his video game channel and doing 
and things. He's trying to be the host for uh, an upcoming... G4. Yeah, he's yeah. trying to go for the host of G4. So I think he's probably clear, but he's, like, asked WWE, like, hey, I want to do these things. Could I, like, take some more time off? And then now Kofi's out, which I think is a legitimate injury. Because I think he might have actually hurt his ribs from that table match. Well, it's a good way to. It was a good way to segue into Biggie by himself. Biggie by himself, without ruining the new day. Which, yeah. if those two show up and they just like beat up Biggie, I feel like they would just ruin anything and everything New Day. So, hundred percent, they're which is which is no, which is why they'll do it. <laughs> oh, that's fair. <laughs> they love ruining things. So um, I think Biggie, you know, maybe he goes for uh, AJ at SummerSlam. Get the IC title. I think that could be a great match. Do you just push Big E as far as you can push him and make him Universal Champion? I do not want to see him lose to Bray. I can't. N- nowhere in this world I can see Big. I guess I'm just so hyped on no, the No, you, you I feel can, like no one can. I can absolutely see. You, people need to fit, like get away from the fact that Big E is like the comedy, dancing, hip thrusting. Oh, no, I want to see him. If you, get, if you get Big E, yeah, if you get Big E mad, angry, He's a huge oh, dude. He could go tit for tat with the Fiend. I believe 100%. I think 100%. Maybe if they built it up and like yes. they brought back Xavier and Kofi and like the Fiend demolishes him and they do exactly what you just said and sh- like have him rage like he hasn't in a long time. Like the last time he did, he did, I think it was when he was like uh, Dolph's effective like bodyguard right, when right, he right. was heel. And you know, he got big and mad a couple times. So I think if they did that. I, I would get chills and I'd be excited for that match. So I, if they did that, I'd be cool with it. Right. But first things first, I think him and AJ could put a great match on. Give him his first singles title ever. He was NXT champion if we're counting. I guess if we're counting NXT, but I feel like ever since he came up, he's only been tag champion. No, he was an IC. Was he an IC once? Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, I think literal once. But I will say I was a little disappointed he didn't come out to his like clanging and banging solo music, but. I also understand they don't want to say the New Day's done, so it makes sense that he's still coming out to New Day's music. Sure. But I think if you set up him and, honestly, even him and Braun, if they actually give him the spot to put Braun on his shoulder and give him the big ending, dude, that would be insane. I I don't know if Biggie's knee can handle it, but, (laughs) because Braun's a big dude. Yeah. Um, We might as well just talk about the other big thing with The Fiend and the ending that we got from the SmackDown. Very creepy, sadistic. Well, it's torture. So, just outright, uh, the fiend attacked Alexa Bliss, which so on layer, like a shark. Well, on layers though, this they, they can go multiple ways with this. Um, what happened before with Nikki losing her t- opportunity again to Bailey and Alexa getting in the ring to comfort her and Nikki just be not ha- friend. right, not having anything to do with it and shoving Alexa away. Shows that they're gonna they're they're looking to break up Nikki and Alexa. They're gonna do their own things because right after that happened, the fiend appeared and attacked Alexa. Which breaking those two up, I like it as the fact that it's not someone turned heel and turned on the other. Mm-hmm. I think they sold it very well. Nikki was very you know distraught and sad. She lost mm-hmm. the title shot again, and when she shoved Alexa, Alexa didn't look angry or mad. Like how could you do that? She looked sad and disappointed for her friend and like. What can I do? And then, yeah, the Fiend shows up, and she goes from sad and disappointed to she sold all the emotions to fearful, like, please don't hurt me. What did, What are you going to do? And, yeah, the Fiend circles her and then just slowly brings his hand and gives her the mandible claw. And, you know, the show ends with the lights going out. So 
where do they go with it? They're going to go either one of two ways. The the way that I think everybody wants it to go is like Alexa Bliss's sister Abigail, and years and years of like, is there actually a sister Abigail? Are they ever going to do anything with it? Oh, they're rebranding Liv Morgan. She's clearly going to be sister Abigail. That didn't happen. Did did they just want Alexa Bliss to be sister Abigail? If it happens, I think a lot of people. I truly think a lot of people would be happy with that. I think I would like it. I think I would too. It just depends on like, okay, you've had this. How do I say like legendary character that's existed in the realm of WWE, but has never been seen or talked about outside of Bray talking about it and using it as a finisher. Yeah, um, and that weird Finn Balor versus the Demon versus Sister Abigail, which should never have happened. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, where he put on the face paint, and he was like kind of the embodiment, but for only a minute. So if we just like kind of let that go, then yeah, you, I think you have an actual pure Sister Abigail, at, like an essence there in her. I think that could be great because a lot of people, what they've talked about was they would love to see Braun rejoin the Wyatt family and kind of do what they're doing with Sasha and Bailey, and like they give them a tag title and then they have uh, Bray either win the IC title or go over and beat Drew and take the world title, which I'm very mixed feelings on that one. Like I don't know if I want them to be a whole family together, but if you take Alexa Bliss and make her sister Abigail and having that little that's, trio, that's the one way to suck Braun in storyline wise yes. with how when they were team little bit Braun had like oh I, yeah I like there was Alexa. that weird like romantic yes thing so that's on. they wouldn't have meant they wouldn't have shown Alexa in that light in the swamp match unless they wanted to use that as a storyline for Braun so I mean the other way they go with what the, what Bray Wyatt did was they don't sister Abigail Alexa it's simply just to anger Braun yeah and to entice Braun like, to uh, want to fight a hostage situation yeah it's just used to get Braun angry and storyline because the fiend just wants to completely like mentally break down Braun. So which that's I'm fine with. Which is probably the way they're gonna go in all honesty. So I think it comes down to what they want. Do they want singles or do they want a family? Uh, and I think we'll find that out probably next Friday because whatever the fiend does with Alexa, like the first promo they do I think will let us know if it's either gonna be a uh rejoin the Wyatt family thing yeah. or if it's a come save me Braun thing. Uh, So I think the very first promo we see with Alexa Bliss will 100% tell us which route they're going. And I don't know which I want more. I think I would like a little trio tag team and remake the Wyatt family, but Mm. I also like Bray by himself. And especially because he's not even really by himself. There's three of them. You got Wyatt family, Firefly Funhouse, and The Fiend. Which would be fine. Yeah, like, kind of <laughs> just, like, goes with who he needs at, like, depending on which one, so. Uh, and especially because, like, if you do go Wyatt family, like, do they just, like, bury Firefly Funhouse? Right. Because I feel like having Firefly Funhouse with Sister Abigail and, like, a quote-unquote brainwashed Braun would be very weird. I don't know if I... Which is why I don't think they go down that road. I, I think, honestly. yeah. I, I think it's going to be just... They use her as a hostage to play with his emotions, and then we get a brutal 1v1 match at SummerSlam. Yeah. Um, other than that, there is one thing I think we've talked about, but we didn't talk about on the podcast. Um, Otis is Mr. Money in the Bank. He's yeah. 100% going to cash that in on a tag team title yeah. so that him and Tucker together 100%. can become champions. I know we talked about it because at the time, Tucker wasn't around. They were just doing the Otis and Mandy thing. Mm-hmm. I think it would make 
sense for his character and yes. their tag team yes. for him to not be selfish right. or go for a title. Like, he'd be like, he wants to win yeah. with he wants to win with his brother. Yeah, and they, yes. they should have been champion many times. Yes, and I, they even showed like, hey, we're gonna probably be a tag team again because you know this past week they had Sonya and Mandy kind of I guess rebuild their feud because right. Sonya demol like just blindsides. Yeah. Uh, she like smeared her makeup, cut her hair, which I'm assuming was extensions. Maybe we'll get a like rebranded Mandy. Who knows? But uh, as the WWE officials and Tucker and Otis came over to check on Mandy, uh, Charlie shows up to like ask questions, and the Miz and Morrison show up, make a bunch of hairy jokes. Which I'll admit, <laughs> I, I think I laughed at every single one. It was so dumb, but it was just funny. And Tucker walks up, he's like, "Hey, this isn't right." So I think they were obviously showing that. Most likely next week we're going to get Heavy Machinery versus Miz and Morrison. Right. And I think that would be fi- I would be fine with uh, them building back up as a tag team and Otis being like, give this like big heartfelt like mm-hmm. promo to Tucker saying, yeah. I want to cash this in on a tag team. It, it fits their character. It 100% fits their character. But it also, I think, twofold kind of. I don't think Otis is a believable and a prime WWE champion. I don't think that the fans want to see Otis as much as they love Otis. I don't think he represents a, a good WWE champion, whereas he represents that tag team champion because he's such a good guy and he's got love for the people close to him, like Tucker. And they've been there for each other, so what's the best thing you can do to cash in on a tag team title? Like, I don't see Otis ever beating, and nor should he beat, The Fiend or Drew McIntyre. Like, those are the guys that are your top-tier champions. Those are your WWE champions, your universal champions. Otis, at this point, is not top-tier title. I would love to see him as the champion because I think, you know, I just love Otis so much, but I I don't think it can happen. And it hurts me to say that, but I think he should be a tag champion. They're perfect together. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like Enzo and Big Cap. I don't think they should have ever broke up. I thought they were okay by themselves, but they were perfect together, and I think that's what would happen with Heavy Machinery. I think they're perfect together and okay by themselves, and I would love, honestly, give them the tag title and maybe give Mandy a push. Give her, let her be the one that beats Sasha, or uh, Bailey, and have them be a little trio title there. Yeah. And they, it's not like they're going to mix, like, like UE, how, like, oh, we're a singles competitor and then we're tag team back and forth. It's going to be constant. You have... Mandy as a women's champion and the other two as a tag champion. Right. And I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I'd be fine if they're the ones that uh, take out Sheamus, or uh, Cesaro and Shinsuke. I think I'd be cool with that. I can see it. I can see it. But it comes down to, are they going to do their typical, you know, we're upright, so let's cash this in, tell you in advance, or do they blindside them? Upright. I I think they were (laughs) upright, kind of like what they did with Braun when he was like, I'm not going to blindside you. I'm cashing this in at this pay-per-view. But also, I feel like if they did it the other way, everyone would freak out, like, because you wouldn't see it coming. Because I don't think anyone would expect them to blindside cash it in. So if they did it, I think it would be a huge pop. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, who knows, who knows this is even going to happen? Who knows this is even going to happen, though? That's all speculation. Yeah, the last couple times they've shown him, did they even like, show that he had the briefcase? I felt like it was just, like, him and Mandy doing the romance thing. You know, I'd have to go back and look. I swear, if they, like, just kind of act like he never had it, and, like, they make it like it never 
happen, I don't think they can't do that. I do. I if they're gonna do that, then they would just have him cash in on like defeating Edward Lewis. They they will get a very strong letter from me. Like if, if they uh, if they don't plan on doing anything with him with the tag titles, they're just gonna have him be a failed cash in, and that's the end of that. And I think that'd be dumb. I think it'd be great, and I hope someone pitched the idea of cashing in because they never said like. You, I believe they got away from saying you get a WWE title shot. I think it's just you get a title shot. Mm-hmm. And I think it would be great for his character, yeah, to just be like, let's go win the thing we've wanted ever since we came to SmackDown. Sure. And I, I'm praying someone in creative also thought of that. I if not, obviously, they subscribe to Face the Heel and they'll get a lot of good <laughs> ideas. I like the plug. Very nice. Oh, very good plug. And uh, just like we have a Twitter and a Facebook and many other ways you can follow us. Where? Well, you just simply type in Face the Heel on Facebook and then on Twitter you look up at Face the Heel 1. Interesting. Okay, I might have to go do that. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff <laughs> there. I post a lot of fun things. Um, and that's how you can stay up to date on our episodes and hear all these other great ideas we come up with. Yeah, I'm glad you do that. You are the social media guy for us. And I got nothing else to do. I'm not big in the social media, but I'm glad that you do that. Um, that's <laughs> that's all I got with SmackDown. That's, yeah. all, that's all I really wanted to talk about. We covered a lot. Yeah. Like, the only other thing is, like, the potential for Brother Nero or Sheamus or... I don't know what they're doing with Jeff and Sheamus. We'll say, you know what? We'll save that conversation for when maybe it develops. They do something with that, or else they just have another bar fight and don't. I don't think so. (laughs) I think over the next couple weeks, we're going to see some character development for those two, and I'm excited for that. Yeah. I think Jeff deserves, after this long, awkward, bring up his actual real life issues Mm -hmm. and, like, poster border for everyone, I would like to see him do something. Yeah. Maybe even he takes the title from AJ. I can see that. But I think I want it to be Big E. That's who I'm going with. Do you have a trivia question for me this week? Oh, God, trivia. I, I got, got one for you. I do not, so go for it. All right, I got one for you. We didn't have one last time we recorded, so I wanted to make sure I came prepared this time. Ralph? Who's the longest reigning U.S. champion in WWE history? Who had the longest reign? You get two guesses. Longest reign as U.S. And this reign is was 500. That's a good one. I feel like that's why I've... Uh, I'll give you two guesses. Other than the legacy, I've leaned towards that with a couple of my other ones. Man, U.S. title. I think part of me wants to say John Cena because of the spinner belt, but I really don't think that lasts long. Definitely not over a year long because he almost immediately became WWE champion after, I feel like, getting the U.S. title. Uh, I know there's been a lot of names, but they don't last a long time. I'm going to go with... Miz was IC, so it wasn't US. If it was Miz, I would be shocked. But we're going to go with. Man, these are good ones. Thank you. I'm going to assume it wasn't recent. It was probably in the mid to late 2000s, maybe even early 2010s. Uh, I'm just trying to think of who had a title then. Is Orlando Bloom on that title reign? It's not him, was it? Because he was with JBL, and he held that title for actually quite a while. Orlando Bloom? Isn't he after? Orlando Jordan. Uh, it is not Orlando Jordan. Okay, so it wasn't him. Ah, oh, God. I'm going to go with... Screw it. Randy Orton. Lex Luger. 
If you get a really good one, then it just kind of makes it all better. Is there anything else on your mind before we head out? No, I think I'm pretty good. Anything else for you, Paul? I think I'm all set. Just go ahead on Facebook, type in Face the Heel, and go on Twitter and find us at Face the Heel One. And that's where you'll stay up to date with all of the Face the Heel podcast. My name is Paul. That's Ralph over there. Final thoughts, Ralph? Baba booey, baba booey, baba booey. (laughs) Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys soon.